Happy New Year, and welcome to Episode 16 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Today, Keith has a conversation about the clear pro-life message in Scripture. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at nrpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. Starting next week, I'm going to be doing two really important lessons on time stewardship. Not time management, because you really can't manage time, but you can be a good steward of it. And these are insights, biblical insights, not just management technique, that the Lord has given me over the years that I really like to share. Today, I'm going to share a real important message with you, and I want to ask you a question to start with. Who was the first person to praise Jesus Christ on this planet that we have a record of. Well, it's found in the Christmas story in Luke 1, 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the very first person to praise Jesus on this planet was John the Baptist, uh, he was happened to be living inside his mother's womb at the time, and I think it's very interesting that it's a medical doctor that records this, Dr. Luke in the Gospel of Luke in 141. So here we have a divine encounter of two unborn children in their mother's wombs. You talk about being pro-life. You talk about the humanity of unborn children. You know, in my Bible study, I found 27 people that God names and refers to in the scripture by their name before they were born while they were in their mother's womb. I think that's pretty amazing, don't you? I think there's a clear message. And while we as believers need to be very clear and be able to argue the position of humanity from the point of conception, uh, from a scientific Uh, position, we also need to be crystal clear on the moral biblical position without apology. You know, just take the word conception. The word conception means to start. In anything, the point of conception is where it starts. There's no such thing as a post-conception start to anything. How could there be a post-conception start to a life? It's really pretty much a ridiculous philosophical argument. But let's switch it to the moral redemption side for a minute here. Jesus died for men. That would mean all men. To dehumanize any men, let alone a group of men, would be outrageously offensive to God. And over the years, we just have a nation, we've actually done that. And we've paid the penalty for doing that. We dehumanized the Chinese workers in the North American West during the railroad craze. We, of course, have dehumanized the American Indian in many situations. We dehumanized uh, Japanese people during the beginning of World War II. We've dehumanized blacks. We've dehumanized women. We've dehumanized children in... uh, many situations. But now, in our lifetime, since 1973, a whole generation plus, we have dehumanized 
children simply on the basis of where they live, being unborn children living in their mother's womb. Interestingly, that Jesus said his standard for judgment in Matthew 25 was as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. He didn't say as much as you preached about it. He didn't say as much as you believed about it. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was uh, without a friend and you became my friend. You didn't just believe in something, you did it. So in our culture, what would qualify for being the least of these more than an unborn child? As much as you've done it unto me. I believe there's a standard of judgment there that fits every culture. And Jesus gave us a template that we need to be very clear about. And I believe when we dehumanize human life, when we take a person and say because of their caste system or the color of their skin or their gender, which there's only two we know, that they are less valuable, we literally are slapping the creator God who sits on his throne in heaven, who spoke the world into existence. We are slapping him across his face, not only because he's the creator, but because then he gave himself in the form of that very humanity to sacrifice himself for them, to say that they are valuable, that all men are valuable. And when we segregate them and say a certain group is not valuable, then we are being morally, biblically, and ethically offensive in the sight of God. And all we have to do that is just to be silent. To say nothing is to say something. Silence is always an amen, prophetically speaking. And it's time that we removed our amen from the bloodshed that is destroying the soul of our nation and the soul of our country. It's amazing to me that there are liberal pundits and politicians and think tank people across not only our country but the globe who talk about wanting civility, who talk about wanting to welcome everybody into our neighborhood, but they won't think of welcoming an unborn child because a mother wants to have tyranny over that child. You know, when a mother kills a child, that doesn't make her any less a mother. It makes her the mother of a dead baby. The outpouring of violence, school shootings, drug abuse, teenagers cutting themselves, a rampant suicide, these things all have one thing in common. They dehumanize human life. And I believe they are being fed by the blood that's being poured into the ground. If Abel's blood cried for justice, what must the blood of almost 60 million unborn children cry for? You know, on January 22, 1973, when the so-called Supreme Court made open season on little boys and little girls who've committed no judicial crime, who've offended nobody, all they needed was a place to live and some nutrition, uh, last I checked, I still need that. How about you? Then we opened up Pandora's box of hate and maliciousness against all people. 
And what I'm saying to you as a, as a church leader, as a pastor, as a business leader, many people that are listening to me today, is make sure we're not silent. Let's understand what the root of this is. Let me put it to you like this. If somebody close to you lost a child or had a child stolen from them or was murdered, would not your heart break? Now I want you to think about this. Every day, God's heart breaks because every day it happens. It's never going to be okay with God. And if we're in covenant with God, it should never be okay with us. Therefore, we must speak up and we must pray for creative, redemptive tactics and vision and plans to stop the death tally in our communities. Let me read to you a passage of scripture that should really get our attention. And this is not an isolated passage, but Psalm 106, verse 34, let me read there, says, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even went so far as to sacrifice their sons and the daughters to the demons. No matter what's happening in the natural, Satan is demanding a blood sacrifice to mock the humanity that Jesus clothed himself with and to shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood, Thus they became unclean in their practices and played the harlot in their deeds. Remember, Matthew 25 says, as much as we've done it to the least of these. Now, in the Old Testament, every king was judged by one standard. They did or did not tear down the high places of Moloch. Any biblical study will reveal that Moloch was a god who demanded the shedding of innocent blood from newborn infants whose throats were sliced on his lavor, and the blood poured out and flowed into the incense, and a stinking sench was thought to give him pleasure. Well, I guess it really did give Moloch pleasure, because Moloch is nothing more than a demon, so that's probably accurate. But The kings at the end of the age were not judged on how prosperous they were, not how many people came to worship, not how great their armies were or who they subdued. But did they or did they not remove the high places? Friends, I'm saying to you that I believe God wants to bring revival to America, to Western culture, to around the world. And we, in part, have spoken up, but not in whole part. And I want to urge you, Take a Sunday in January. Take the third Sunday specifically if you can and address this Holocaust. There are incredible videos that are out there. You you could play and you could preach part of it. You could have people give testimonies. If you contact me, I'll help you put a program together that's biblical, that's doctrinal, that's excellent, that will heal people that have suffered the loss of a child that are sitting under your teaching and preaching that will send a clear message, that will take the amen away. You know, the late, great Dr. Francis Schaeffer said this, 
that every abortuary in our communities ought to have a sign above it saying, Open by permission of the churches in this area. Now, if you believe in spiritual authority, you've got to believe in spiritual responsibility. And I side with Dr. Schaefer. I think he's right because I've seen communities across America. Do you realize there have been over 600 freestanding abortion clinics that have been shut down and not replaced, usually just because two or three churches in that area begin to pray on the sidewalks, in the presence, where the killing was happening, the doctrine of proximity, the doctrine of humanity, where we clothe ourselves in our flesh as the body of Christ, and we reach out to them. We take our amen away and say, let the killing stop. I'm believing God for revival, and I know that the shedding of innocent blood is the greatest barrier that's holding that back. But I want to encourage you, in your church, in your ministry, in your business, in your family, to make it clear that you really are pro-life. And make it clear why. Give them Bible doctrine. Give them Bible foundation. Let's really celebrate life together. The first person on this planet to praise Jesus Christ was a baby inside his mother's womb. And Jesus received praise while he was still in his mother's womb. What a message God sent to us in the incarnation. God is still sending that message that he wants his body, us, the church, to be incarnate with his love, with his mission, with his purpose, and to communicate to people by our actions that all life is valuable, all life is redeemable, and there's no group of people that we are willing to see dehumanized and slap our Creator in the face. A true prophetic anointing is to care about what God cares about. Let's allow our heart to really be resensitized and not desensitized by all the death and destruction that is around us. Again, I want to challenge you. In January of 2019, to really put something together. Write a statement paper for your church. Share your conviction. Put something in people's hands as they leave the service. But you be the preacher. You be the man of God that stands up and declares boldly what the Bible says. God bless you. Thank you for spending this time with me. I feel deeply convicted of my spirit and want to do more to represent the Lord the way he wants to be represented. Have a great beginning of 2019. Lord bless you. Today, Keith had a conversation about the value of human life. Every day, God's heart breaks because every day, innocent blood is shed. That will never be okay with God. And if we are in covenant with God, it should never be okay with us. Let's pray for creative, redemptive tactics, visions, and plans to stop the killing of innocent children. Let's remove our amen and speak up. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. 
As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, innerpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.